Well, take your copy of God's Word and open it up with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, and we're going to study through the whole chapter this morning, starting in a moment in verse 1, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 20. One of our soldiers was serving our country on the other side of the world, and he was so excited one day because he got a letter from his girlfriend, and boy, was he in love. Well, he opened up that letter, and it turned out to be a Dear John letter, if you know what I mean. Uh, She wrote him to tell him three things. Number one, she was breaking up with him because number two, she'd found somebody else. And number three, she asked if he would return his picture of her that he was carrying because that was her favorite picture. She didn't have a copy and she wanted to use it in her wedding announcement. This... This young man was crushed beyond belief. He didn't know what he was going to say or what he was going to do. Well, finally, some of his soldier buddies to cheer him up, they came up with an idea. They all contributed a picture of their girlfriend or those who were married, a picture of their wife. And they took all these pictures of all these young women And he took that picture of her and he put it in this shoebox and he mailed it back with a note and said, Dear so-and-so, I received your letter. Please remove your picture from this box and return the rest because for the life of me, I can't remember who you are. (laughs) Well, that young man was pretending not to remember. But the truth is, we do forget very naturally, very easily. I heard another story about these two older ladies at a church that were talking one day, and and one lady said to the second lady, she said, the worst part of getting older is losing your memory. And that second lady said, ma'am, I am so sorry. You'll have to forgive me. I know that I know you, I should know your name, but I'm sorry, what is your name? And the first lady said, do you need an answer right now? (laughs) Well, we do get very forgetful, and the more so as the years go by. But in the Bible, over and over again, there is an emphasis on remembering. For example, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Young people are told in Ecclesiastes, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Jesus said in John 15, remember the word I have spoken to you. He said during the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. Peter said, I will not neglect to remind you always of the things I have said. This is a common theme in the word of God. Because it is one thing if you miss a deadline or an anniversary. It's another thing if you forget Valentine's Day. Men, it's tomorrow. You're welcome. But it's another thing altogether. If we forget God, if we forget His Word, if we forget His promises, if we forget our dependence upon Him, if we forget His benefits. Forgetfulness 
isn't necessarily something that happens slowly. It doesn't take years. In Psalm 106, the Bible says that when Israel doubted at the Red Sea, they forgot the multitude of God's mercies. Do you understand? He was talking about the mercies God had just shown them. He's talking about the things that God had recently done for them in the days and weeks prior, and yet they already forgot. And I wonder how many times we quickly forget God's mercies. Well, over a year ago, we began a study of the life of Moses. We're going to wrap up these next few weeks by looking at some of the sermons that Moses preached right there towards the end of his life. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, we see one of these sermons, Moses is pleading with the people to remember. Towards the beginning of this chapter and the end of the chapter, he said, you shall remember. And two times in the middle, he said, do not forget. And so the theme of this chapter is clearly the importance of a godly memory. And it is a command. We are commanded to remember. We're commanded not to forget because we can make an intentional effort to remember certain things. We can determine within ourselves that we are not going to forget the lessons God has taught us. There are some specific things that Moses encourages Israel to remember that we need to remember as well. Four things in particular in this chapter that we're going to see. First of all, remember the purpose of your trials. Remember the purpose of your trials. Look at verse 1. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Israel's time of wandering in the wilderness is about to come to an end. Soon they will enter the promised land. So Moses says to them, you shall remember. And notice the first thing he tells them to remember. Remember that God led you all this time. Now they were wandering in the desert because they did not obey God the first time when he commanded them to go into the promised land. They've been wandering, but while they were wandering, God was leading. And it may at times have seemed random. It may have seemed haphazard. But even then, God was leading them. Moses said God led you to humble you. They needed to be humbled in order to be ready to go where God wanted to take them. To humble you, he said, and to test you to know what was in your heart. That doesn't mean that God did not know what was in their heart. That means they did not know what was in their own heart. You see, if you want to know who you are, see 
what happens when you are tested. Because that's who you really are. Your circumstances don't really form you as much as they reveal you. Your reaction to that trial reveals you. In the old days, when you wanted to know what type of metal something was, you might throw it in the fire and see what its true color was. And all the impurities would rise to the top. Well, this is what God does in our lives. 1 Peter 1.7 says that the genuineness of your faith is tested by fire. Now, the devil tempts us to bring out the worst in us, but God tests us to bring out the best in us. And Moses talks about some of this testing, what was involved. Look at verse 3. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Part of the testing God allowed them to experience was that he allowed them to become hungry. And you'll remember they actually failed that test. They complained when they should have prayed, and yet God was merciful, and he provided them with manna. And six days a week, God gave them manna for that day. The sixth day, he gave them double so that every day of the week, they would always have enough. But Moses said that God did this in order to teach them a lesson. Now, what was the lesson they were supposed to learn from the manna? Here it is. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, there's more to life than bread. Spiritual bread is more important than physical bread. Obedience to God is more important than your needs being met. Because if you trust Him and follow Him, He will meet your needs. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and these things, meaning the things that you need, they will be added unto you. Now, do we need to be reminded of this lesson in the 21st century? Well, let's see. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness... What was the very first scripture that he quoted? In that moment that he was tempted and he was tested. Oh, that's right. Deuteronomy 8.3. This verse right here. And if Jesus had to go back to this verse when he was tempted, if he had to learn it and memorize it and hide it in his heart and remember it, then we do as well. Well, Moses knew that soon... When Israel entered the promised land, that manna would stop coming. So they needed to remember this lesson. And this is not all God did for them. Notice in verse 4, he said, Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. He said, God not only provided for you by giving you manna, but he also provided for your needs during this time of testing by causing your possessions to last. He says, your clothes did not wear out. He said, your feet did not swell, which means for 40 years, your shoes did not wear out. Anybody here wearing clothing they bought 40 years ago? Anybody have clothing? Do you own clothing that you got 40 years ago? 
I have tithes that are 40 years old because Russ Philpott gave them to me. <laughs> and they're lovely, by the way. I will gladly wear them. I love 80s music, but other than those ties, I don't want to be caught dead in 80s clothes. That's another story altogether. But this was part of the test. God was teaching them and He was showing them that He has more than one way to provide for them. And one of the ways He does it is by causing what He's already given us to last. And by the way, as a side note here, I believe God is still willing to do that. That if you honor the Lord with your possessions and with your wealth, God will do the same. I can remember when I was a poor college student with hardly two nickels to rub together in college, but I was getting lots of opportunities to preach all over the state of Alabama. I needed a way to get there. Bought a car for $1,000 that had 130,000 miles on it. You know I drove that car for years until it had 260,000 miles on it, and then I sold it and it was still running. For $1,000, God made that car go 130,000 additional miles and got me everywhere I needed to be, never missed a single preaching engagement on account of that car. Well, folks, He'll make your car last longer. He'll make those appliances last longer. God can provide for you that way as well. But that was part of their testing. He said, your clothes did not wear out. Your shoes did not wear out. Look at verse 5. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Now God says, this is what God was doing all of this time, these 40 years that you were in the wilderness. He was chastening you. He was disciplining you. Every good father disciplines his children because he loves them, because he wants the very best for them. This is what God does for us. But I ask you, what if God disciplines us and we forget the lesson we were supposed to have learned? What happens then? What happens is, oftentimes, we get to take the test again. And so we must remember Write down what God teaches you. Recite it. Repeat it. Tell others. Do whatever it takes, but do not forget. Remember the purpose of your trials, but then also remember the source of your blessings. Remember the source of your blessings. Look at verse 6. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. You'll notice a couple of times here in this chapter a connection between remembering and obeying. If we remember, we will obey. If we disobey, it's probably because we do not remember. Verse 7, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. Moses describes all the good things that they have waiting for them in that land. Now, he knows that he is not going to be able to enter in, but they are going to enter in. And he says, this is what you have to look forward to. In the wilderness, many times, you didn't have water. But he said, in this land, there's going to be plenty of brooks and, and springs. 
He said, in, in the wilderness, you didn't have bread. God had to provide you with manna. But you're going to have bread without scarcity. He said, this land is full of wheat and every type of fruit imaginable. And he said, you will lack nothing. Now, please don't do what some preachers have done with this text and read these verses to say, if you just have enough faith, you will never lack anything that you desire, however selfish your desires may be, for you will lack nothing. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. And, and Paul said, I have learned to be hungry and content. But I do believe it's appropriate to say that just as Canaan was their promised land. Salvation is our promised land. And just as God offered them all of these countless blessings, we have immeasurable riches in Christ. 2 Peter 1.3 says, We have everything that we need for life and godliness by His divine power. Everything that we need to experience life to the fullest, that abundant life. Everything we need to live godly lives. We have already in Christ. In Ephesians 1.7, Paul talked about the riches of His grace. We have the riches of grace. Philippians 4.19, he said, My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory. The riches of glory that we have in Christ. And we could go on and on about all these riches, all of these spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. When Moses tells Israel about all of these blessings God is getting ready to heap upon them, he tells us the reason why in verse 10. When you have eaten and are full, by the way, we normally pray before we eat, right? But he said, when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. Remember the source. Remember that everything that you have that brings you peace and happiness and contentment in life comes from God's good hand. Don't take it for granted. Don't be like those fans at the baseball game when their star player comes to bat. They cheer him. And then he strikes out. And they boo him. And then he sits down and his manager reminds him. He says, you know, you're only as good as your last at bat. Well, if we're not careful, we can take that attitude with God. God never strikes out, of course, but we find ourselves asking ourselves quietly, well, what has God done for me recently? And we forget that He is the source of all of our blessings. Moses is very concerned that Israel might forget, so he reminds them of what they had and then what they are going to have. He says that for 40 years, they had little, but soon they will have much. They lacked many things, but now they're going to have everything in abundance. You know, sometimes a person has very little, but that person with little, they learn to trust God. They learn to be content. They learn to be grateful. And as a result, sometimes if God wills, if God permits, they actually then know how to deal with blessings. They know how to handle abundance because they've learned and they remember that God is the source of their blessings. Now, there's another lesson that's similar to this, but it's a little bit different. 
yet it's very important. Remember the danger of prosperity. Remember the danger of prosperity. Because materialism, if we're not careful, can cause us to forget God. Moses describes what could happen in verse 11. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end? Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Isn't it amazing when we read this how Moses preached this sermon thousands of years ago but he might as well be preaching it to us today. He's warning the Israelites about this potential danger. It's the danger of congratulating yourself for what God has done. He said, you might sit in your beautiful home and look out over all your flocks, and you might get finished counting all your money. And when your heart is lifted up, you forget the Lord, and you might say, I did this. You know, there's a reason why God did not pick the biggest and strongest nation on the map in the world at that time to be his chosen people. He chose a nation of slaves who had nothing, lest they think they got there by their own might. And even then, he had to humble them for 40 years so that they would learn to give God the glory and no one else. Maybe one of the greatest examples of this in all of the Bible is in the book of Daniel, that story of King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. He was, in his day, the most powerful ruler in the world at that time. And in Daniel chapter 4, the Bible tells us that King Nebuchadnezzar was walking through his palace, beholding his city. And you realize that archaeologists tell us today that not just every building, but every single brick that they dig up from that time period had his name written on it. And Nebuchadnezzar is walking through his royal palace and he's looking out at his city and he said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power, and for the honor of my majesty. The Bible says that while those words were still in his mouth, in other words, he didn't even get a chance to finish the sentence. He heard a voice saying, the kingdom has been taken from you. That would have been bad enough all by itself. He then lost his mind 
And the next thing you know, he's out there in the fields trying to eat grass like the cattle. Hear me very, very carefully. I don't care who you are or what you have accomplished. Apart from God's grace, you are out there in that field trying to eat grass as well. You might say, oh, pastor, come on. I studied when others didn't. I prepared when others didn't. I worked when others didn't. I did this. I did that. You say that long enough, and before you know it, you are that person in verse 17 saying, my power and the might of my hand have done this. Listen, you may very well get where you want to go. You very well might achieve every goal that you set out. You can climb to the top of the mountain and then forget how you got there. You can forget what God said in verse 18, that God is the one who gives you the power to get wealth. I heard somebody say once that we all have two biographies and we have to choose which one we're going to write. There's one that's true and there's one that's false. For example, I could tell you that when I was 15 years old, I started preaching. And I worked my way through college and I started pastoring at age 22 and I went to seminary and I studied hard and I got my master's and I got my doctorate and I made good choices. I could tell you that story or I could tell you the truth. And the truth is that I was an awkward and aimless teenager who was dead in his sin, who didn't even want to live, but then God gloriously saved me and graciously called me and God put mentors in my life and God miraculously provided for me so that I could go to a college that I could not afford. And God is the one who gave me opportunities I could not create. God opened doors I could not open. God gave me a wonderful wife and children and home and the privilege of being the pastor of this church. But were it not for grace, I would be lost. I would be dead. I would be homeless. I would be in that other service over at Dade Correctional this morning, only I would not be preaching. I would be in the congregation. Now, that's my real story. Again, you have to look at your life and ask yourself, which biography am I going to write? Which one am I going to tell? I need to remember, and we need to remember, that yes, there is a danger to a little bit of success. There's a danger to prosperity. The danger that we would seize the glory for ourselves instead of giving it to God. One more thing I want you to notice in this passage that we must remember. Remember the promise of the covenant. Remember the promise of the covenant. Look at verse 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, 
that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. Moses said again, verse 18, you shall remember. Why? That God may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers. More than four centuries earlier, God made a covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And in that covenant, he promised to make them into a nation. And he promised to bless them. And he promised to bless the other nations through them. A promise that he kept by bringing the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And yes, this covenant that Moses is referring to It leads straight to Jesus. And we're going to see that more clearly next week in another sermon that Moses preached before he died. But you see, in the Old Testament, they were saved by looking forward and believing in the covenant promise. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. He was saved by faith. And in the New Testament... We are saved by looking back and remembering how God did what He said He would do, that Jesus came from heaven to earth and He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died on the cross. He won the victory that we could never win when He rose again. And He did all of that and promises us that whosoever believes upon Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, Moses closed this part of his sermon by saying, if you do not remember this, if you forget, you will perish. And he's not saying that God would abandon His covenant with Israel. and He's not talking about people, individuals, losing their salvation. He's talking about a generation who rejected the covenant, who did not believe. But how important is, is this? How important is it that we believe this covenant promise that God has made to us? It is eternally important. It would appear, according to Deuteronomy chapter 8, that it is the difference between perishing and having eternal life. Man sometimes forgets. But God never forgets. Let me close with this. There's a a researcher at Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. His name is Cesar Hidalgo. And he did some rather interesting research. He asked the question, how long will the most famous people be remembered? And so he polled people to see who they remember, who they don't remember. 
He measured the rate at which we tend to forget those people who were once quite famous, who were once quite popular, came up with a a mathematical equation for it. And then, at the end of his research, here was his conclusion. He said, people and things are kept alive through oral communication from 5 to 30 years. That's it. Yes, there are some exceptions, of course. We all remember certain persons from history who died much longer ago than that. But 5 to 30 years, that's how long on average even the famous are remembered. And for most of us, it's going to be a lot less than that. And this world will forget us. But let me remind you of what God said in Isaiah 49, 15. He said, can a woman forget her nursing child? Yet even if she forgets, he said, I will not forget you. Yes, sometimes we get forgetful. But God never forgets His people. And if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, turning to Him, confessing Him as Savior and as Lord of your life, He promises that He will never forget you. And He'll never forget a single promise that He's made to you. Join me as we pray. God, we thank You that You are God who always remembers. You never forget your people. You never forget a single promise that you've given us. You never forget your word. Sometimes we do. We ask you to forgive us. Show us, Lord, if there are some truths which we have allowed ourselves to forget this morning that we would be intentional about remembering because this is a command to remember and not forget God I pray for those who are here today who need to place their faith in and believe in the promise that you have given to us the promise of this covenant that Jesus established the gospel that if we will confess him as savior Believe in our heart that you raised him from the dead. We will be saved. And God, if there's even one here today who needs to take that step, that monumental step of placing their faith in Christ for the first time, trusting in him, believing in him as Savior and Lord, the one who died for their sins and who rose again, God, how I pray that they would not forget, that their hearts would not be hardened, That this day, they wouldn't wait another day, that this day they would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And so we ask you to to convict hearts, to move in our midst, and we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. remember, Remember what Moses said. He said, if you forget, he said, you will perish. But the Bible says that Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're here today, you've never taken that step of of making Christ Lord of your life, confessing him, 
I want to encourage you, don't wait another day. Don't wait another moment. I'm going to be standing here at the very front. We'll close this service and we'll give you a few minutes. And uh, If you need to come, you just come and say, Pastor, today I need to follow Christ. And we'll pray together. If you have questions, we'll talk about that. Uh, or we'll even set up an appointment and talk about what it means to be a Christian, how to be saved. But I want to encourage you, don't leave here today without them. I'll be standing here at the front ready to receive you and pray with you and pray for you. For those of you watching online, you as well, please let us know. Send that text message to that number that we shared with you at the very beginning, 786-600-2829, and and click on the link, and uh, when you do, uh, fill that out and let us know the step that God has calling you to take today. If you want to know more about our church or about baptism, there are any number of things that you can fill out. You can check on that card, but send that to us so that we can know that you're there and so that we can celebrate with you whatever that step is that you're taking today.